to Mastering Retention, presented by UserWise. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to today's episode of the Mastering Retention Podcast. Super excited for today. We have Mikhail Silvanoyan uh, from Critical Force with us. We'll be talking about uh, all sorts of fun things like live ops and player experience and, and first person shooters. I'm actually wearing my Fortnite shirt that I got uh, back in the day when uh, GDC was uh, still a thing in San Francisco, but uh, I think it's coming back. But uh, besides that, I'm, I'm super excited to uh, get to talk to Mikhail today. Um, but before I do, uh, Mikhail, I feel like you have a interesting journey in terms of, you know, how you got into gaming and, and, and where you are today. And I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, what's your story? Basically, I started playing, uh, well, Surprise Counter-Strike 1.6 a while ago when I was like 10 or 8 years old and uh, also <laughs> Ocasino RuneScape and uh, then I've been playing games all my life and uh, I, I was pretty much I, I would wanted to go for like in, in Finland we can choose between like going to college or then vocational college and I would wanted to go for like IT IT side already back then but then well my grades were not really good enough so I went went for a chef line instead and uh, pretty much after doing those things for a bit I, I changed for IT I got a, a like lower degree on, on IT side and I got a trainee position here at Critical Force and I've been here for now almost three years. So that's that's pretty much uh, like how, how I got to the games industry myself. And then of course, between the journey before I ended up working here, I used to play Overwatch professionally and semi-professionally some uh, Counter-Strike and PUBG and games like that. Now, are, are you like a true Counter-Strike 1.6 fan or did you kind of evolve with the game? Oh, of, of, of course, 1.6 has always the place in heart, but uh, well, yeah, CSGO is nice, nice as well. But of course, so some things are missing, which I really enjoyed, but it's it's doable. Have you played uh, Valorant at all? Because uh, apparently like they wanted to get back to that 1.6 vibe that they felt was kind of lost. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I played Valorant a plenty, but uh, I like if, if I need to choose, do I play Counter Strike Global Offensive or <laughs> Valorant? I, I go for the Counter Strike instead. Uh, I, I well, yeah, if, if I want to play Overwatch, I can play Overwatch. So like, I, I don't like the skills and such like that, but like then it's it's a unique game in in a, in a sense. So it's it's not bad, of course. I really like it with playing with friends, but it's it's still like if they are. In, in my opinion, if, if their main main point of view is the combat Counter-Strike, it's not exactly like a killer for it, in my opinion. But uh, I, it's it's a nice game after all, but the abilities are pretty too strong and it, that's the main thing in the game, in my opinion. Yeah, no, totally makes sense. So you're kind of classically trained as the chef. Now, do you, do you like to cook and stuff a lot at home as well? Or is that just kind of like a, a nascent skill that's hiding behind the scenes? Yeah, well, back in the day when I used to working restaurants and such, then, well, I didn't make any food at home because, well, I was doing it at work. So you know, how much you want to order stuff or eat something <laughs> super simple? But, well, these days, cooking is nice. So it's, it's always Fun and relaxing as well instead of what it was in restaurants <laughs> yeah my my wife just sent me a life hack because apparently every time i cut an onion like i just you know start crying like a little baby but yeah she sent me a little video where apparently if you cut the the end off the onion that's what starts like bleeding and causes all the the stuff that makes you cry so you just kind of cut it in half and leave that on blew my mind a little bit i haven't actually tried it but uh it should, should be a fun experience when we get there 
Well, this is of course from a finished chef book in, in a sense that you make yourself two gin tonics, you drink them before cutting the onion. So you don't cry that much, or at least you don't feel it anymore. <laughs> and well, then just have a sharp knife. That's, that's just my tips. Never that's cried awesome. when cutting an onion. So I guess I like it also it. depends. Yeah. Do you feel like coming from the, the cooking environment and the creative process there, has that impacted what you're doing now at all? Well, it's like the good things from there is just being fine under pressure, but mm -hmm. uh, then like the communication and such that has been like the learning process because, well, pretty much first day <laughs> when I started here at Critical Force, I went to the product, uh, product owner and told that these things are bad in our game, that these things should be fixed. And I had this huge list. And uh, let, let's say the directly to the conversation way was not the best back then. So like this new, new guy coming in as a trainee from school and he brings me a list of things that needs to be fixed. And well, we already know this and so on. So of course, learn, re learning process with that. Your current title is player experience manager. And I, I feel like more and more um, gaming companies are kind of transitioning away from this idea of, you know, just strict live ops or games as a service to really like a, a player experience. But, you know, when I do say player experience, like what does that actually mean to you? Well, player experience, like it's pretty all, all around pretty wage role after all, because well, these days companies are branding customer support as player experience as well. Like player experience specialist means that you're doing customer support and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, I don't see that exactly a bad thing. Depends of course on the company that if your customer support agents are also doing some sorts of community management and gather data through that and communicate with the players, I think then it goes under that role. But like player experience means just, uh, well, being responsible of taking user feedback forward, taking care of the user like experience, of course, the UI stuff that was like earlier, I think a thing that player experience meant that it's also tied with UI design and all of these things. But I, I think it's evolving now a little bit more vague form. Do you guys ever do any sort of um, like, I, you know, I imagine if we were to play the same game together, chances are I might enjoy different aspects about the game than the you know parts that you enjoy the most um, maybe i'm really into collecting a bunch of skins you're really into working on i don't know the achievements for headshots um do you guys ever do any sort of things that you know make it i guess more prevalent where like i can get more of those types of experiences that i enjoy the most and you can get more of those types of things that you enjoy the most about the game with the ideal long-term outcome is that both of us are retained for longer uh, because you know we're getting exactly out of the game what we most enjoy about the game yeah like we, we are getting these like uh, overlapping ideas a lot like these both things would be cool but then uh, pretty much how we do it on our end it really depends like how much exact thing is asked from the community like the players itself like when it comes to our game development that's uh, pretty much then, then it's, uh, that's the deciding factor, that if the majority, which we know that if they want the author one, then we're going to first get that one and then get the later the another one, you know, that's, that's pretty much how, how it works. And of course, all, everything depends on design and all of the other things that there might be blockers on doing certain things. So then it might be that we are getting the le less wanted thing in first and then the most, most wanted thing. So that, that can happen as well. Mm. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, thinking about player communication um, and and live ops, um, what sort of things have you found to be most effective um, in kind of working with uh, players and you know, ultimately working towards everyone being happier about the the brand as a whole, the game as a whole, um, where you guys are going. Main thing is, of course, the transparency about if things don't go as planned, if we promise something and it won't happen, then transparency, why it did not happen. And then, of course, informing players about upcoming things, uh, then informing players that we pretty much, we noticed that you guys don't like this one. And we have now changed it to this one and in, uh, communicating this all through the game, everything localized that we, we are we are having an inbox system in game. So that's that's pretty much what we are using uh, for mm-hmm. communicating the orb like player base directly. And then, of course, then drive players to check the inbox messages through push notifications. Of course, this is on mobile. And then, of course, social media communication whenever possible on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Do you ever find that it's a challenge to do the the localization step in there because I, you know, I imagine you have to translate both the message that you're sending, but then also like the push notification that you're sending. And then, you know, how does that actually work from a, a technical perspective? I, I imagine that would be tech quite challenging to get all of the right stuff out to the right people in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, that's uh, the reasonable amount of time, I think, is the, like, the main thing. But like exactly sending the messages, that's the, like, the smallest part. But the localization, of course, if we would be starting to, uh, like, if we could not do everything in-house, like pretty much we, we are doing all of the localizations for like these messages in-house, mm. uh, it's, it's going to take like maybe one hour and it's done, and then we can send it out. Uh, but like if it would be like that we would need to contact third-party company to localize these things, take like multiple days mm. so that's that's pretty much a problem that that might might arise if if there's no in-house localization possibilities do you guys do your localization in-house uh for, for the messages like these small things but of mm. course like the game localization and so on we, we are getting them from the third party because well let's say you don't want to put your uh, back-end <laughs> developer to localize messages for you <laughs> they have better things to do as well so. yeah that makes a lot of sense have you ever had an instance where you sent out like a message to players or you sent out a push notification and something went wrong and it, you know, caused a bit of like an upheaval amongst players? No, I, I knew that this mes- this uh, question arises. Yeah, a few times that, uh, well, because, well, we, we can send through our inbox, we can send items. And, well, I accidentally sent, I think, around 500,000 euro worth items to every single player, that type of message. And, uh, yeah, well, it, it like it took us 30 minutes. It was, I think it was 10 p.m. at night. And, well, I had just contacted our ad hoc backend person that, hey, there has been this slight screw up that help and we, we got the message down and then tomorrow morning at the office there were a little bit grimy and slightly smiling faces when i arrived at the office and then it was like yeah michael we're, we're gonna start refunding this it's gonna take a whole day we're gonna have lots of fun so taking the <laughs> items back from the players because i think i think the total well i, I calculated value it was like six million euros worth of in-game items sent for the players after all it could have been lost more but luckily we got that sorted out pretty swiftly and wasn't that 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 horrific situation but yeah those things can happen how did the uh the players kind of take that or did they kind of understand that something happened you know were they kind of upset 
know, well, how did that play out? That they were more like, like, are, are the developers trolling us? And, and that, <laughs> uh, because, because it, it, it also had the message which, which was not fully written, or I, I don't remember what was exactly the thing, but they were like, who is this person? What he's talking about here? And so on. But, uh, well, after all, like, they, they were fine with it. No, like, uh, no riots or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. I understand it was a mistake. And so I, I assume that was possible because of like your live ops tools or at least how they were at that point in time. Like, have you guys been able to do anything to ensure that, that type of mistake can't happen, whether by process or with tooling or? Uh, mainly through workflow that everything is triple checked before committing the push a button mm -hmm. but yeah still still of course like tools always need some improvement and so on and that has been that's something what we have been working on as well to eliminate these possible problems yeah so you know if we were to start a new gaming company today uh making a similar game similar tools um what sort of things you know in in your ideal world would you want in a tool to ensure that it's harder to make mistakes. Uh, obviously, mistakes are always going to be possible, but you know, how would you kind of make it so it's more difficult to make mistakes? Uh, don't let the programmer do the UI. That's like the main <laughs> thing. I, I think that that's uh, that's that's uh, maybe what what is causing some some problems. Maybe that everything is very technical, uh, technical, and uh, well, of course, it's not like assume that uh, like anyone which outside of the tech theme would understand things and like just make sure that everything is clear clear and how, how it works and then the documentation is correct as well yeah makes sense totally makes sense thinking a little bit more about kind of your role more on like the the cs side of things have you figured out like what is the ideal flow for working with players and things like that like i see some teams that take the approach of we're just going to put together kind of all this documentation for players and kind of like push them towards the documentation to answer their questions versus just like letting them submit like player tickets and such. Have you found like a happy balance? Like I know sometimes as a player, I'm annoyed when like you make me go through all this stuff and then, and then I can submit my ticket maybe versus like, I, I just want to talk to someone and, you know, have you solve my problem. Yeah. Well, at least at the moment during the COVID times, uh, players want to talk to people. That's, that's just how it is. Of course, this all depends on uh, the age of the players and so on. But at least on our end, uh, the players, like, they could read it, read their, like, the answer from the FAQ, but they instead want to talk to us. They want to talk to that person. They want to talk to the developer who's making the game and just have a conversation. And pretty much, well, what can, uh, what can we do it, do for it? Well, to have more automation and then the step to get to actual agent is going to take lots longer, but I don't think that's a good experience. Still, science mm -hmm. customer support, like the human interaction still has some value these days. I think it's good to enforce to have that as well. Of course, yes, it's it uses time and it's costly, but still it's it's good experience. Yeah, we have FAQs and we, we have automation that the players need to go through steps uh, about their problem. They can choose different categories and such. Uh, but uh, like, after all, like many of them just want to have a talk as well and just uh, chat a little bit about things and give their feedback as well, which is very valuable for us. So. Yeah. Have you guys tried using anything like uh, a Discord or forums or like a Facebook group or, you know, anything uh, like that to success? 
Well, we have our like community Discord, which is very much driven by us, the well developers. We have, I think, soon near two hundred thousand members. So pretty much, we have that for our players where they can talk with each other and find like that they would party up and such. Well, socialize and make friends, and then talk to us as well. Just have an open conversation uh, regarding like forums. No, we don't have any like at least our own forums and then the Facebook groups are also community driven, which are not handled by us, but they, they are just the players making those. We don't have our yeah. own that we are pretty much ma- mainly or official like community community itself is in discord. Now I've, I've heard of some uh, companies, like I think social point does this um, where uh, what they'll do is they kind of say, Hey players, like we realize that, you know, sometimes discord is challenging because, you know, you might leave a message, might be a little bit of time before we're able to get back to it or depending on time zones and things like maybe we're sleeping. But uh, have you ever tried doing something where it's like, hey, you know, every Friday at 2 p.m., we're going to be here for an hour. Come talk to us. And that might even include, you know, game developers and, you know, whoever else. And you're just kind of there to like listen. But then, uh, well, it's nice from the the game creator side because it's like, well, I only have to be on Discord for like an hour each week. But it's really nice for the players because they know, oh, if I come during this time, you know, I'll be able to actually interact with the you know, developers kind of in a, a Reddit, you know, AMA style thing. Yeah, we, we like you know, talking about Reddit AMAs. We have done those. And then we have also like, we have our different programs, which have some uh, uh, like, as an example, competitive players. Then we have our, like, we, we have different groups for like beta testers and influencers and so on. Like we, we have AMAs and like this type of one hour session with them. But regarding like uh, normal users, those which are playing the game the most and so on, like for them, we, we are always there, like very much. Mm. I, I think there is at least one of developers available 24 seven. And like, it, it like, of course it's, it's not that they tag us and we instantly reply, but like they might engage into the conversation at any time. So, but, but yeah, we have, I don't think we had had any like, uh, like that time of that one hour, there's going to be this amount of like developers ch- uh, chatting with you but mm-hmm. that, that's definitely a good idea but but for us it has been pretty normal that our players are always free to talk to us anytime and that it's not just some exact time slot when we are available <laughs> there well, that sounds really nice from a, a player experience perspective um do you have any examples okay so so i work with uh, a lot of folks kind of on the spectrum of large to small, but I feel like especially those like small to mid-tier companies, like sometimes it's just hard to say, you know, what is the value of really fully embracing all the stuff that you can do from like a customer support perspective? Because I think the worry is like, well, you know, if I'm dealing and and talking to players all the time and dealing with this, I'm not going to have time to actually make my game or to make it better to fix the bugs. So, you know, I'm just curious, do you have any experiences or notable stories where, you know, talking to these players or things that they reported in a CS ticket or discord, like really radically changed something or led to like an insight that, um, you know, introduced some radically awesome new feature, something like that. Well, mainly what we are getting from our community is bug reports and such like that. Like things that we could not get, like which or GUI might have never noticed, or we don't have had that exact device where it happens and th- things like that. Because, well, things on mobile are pretty complicated when it comes to 9,000 different Android devices. So 
like the pretty much the problem is that yeah they might send us a picture about some like crash uh, but we don't know how to do it then on through the community we can ask that how, how did this happen and then they send us a video how it happens and then we can reproduce it and then we can fix it like mm-hmm. that's like things that are pretty common how we engage with our community and get these like uh, problems solved as well which is very huge help from the community that you can well calling it outsourcing the gua you know not not exactly but close by but that's like the good good stuff that we're getting from the community and then as well the constructive feedback from uh, our players who have been playing our game for like multiple years that like hey i really like this new stuff and then like it gives confidence as well to continue doing that new stuff but of course then when thinking about cost efficiency well that's also with the customer support as an example if you're not selling anything you're not exactly making money so you cannot like make any calculations that like how how much exactly uh, like you're making profit from the customer support so that's that's always pretty hard hard one for the companies i feel yeah so it it really helps with the uh i guess you call it the technical debt that you have out there i think uh, oftentimes people uh in in gaming it's easy to overlook the just critical importance that like your game just works as players expect it to because you know we we kind of expect a a bug-free crash-free lag-free experience and you know if you're getting that especially in a a pvp-oriented game where you got a little bit of lag and then you die um you'll be pretty mad you know if you die because of the game versus you know you just weren't talented enough to take down the opponent kind of a thing yeah that's well when it when it comes to in in a sense a live ops game like will it ever be totally perfect well (laughs) that's something that we will find out someday (laughs) i love it have you guys ever uh yeah, I know this is something that they do in, in Counter-Strike and, and different things like that, but um, explored things like uh, giving users the tools to create things like user-generated maps or um, skins that are inspired by, you know, user-created content, different things like that. Uh, that's something that our players would want, of course. Like, I totally understand it, but then oh, we, are, we are a mobile game, so that's going to be a hard one, making the tools to actually allow that. And then, of course, like the copyright matters that you can already notice, like in Counter-Strike, what there has been, like the Howl and, and the multiple author skins, which have then been found out that they are a copyright problem because of stolen art. So that's, that's something, well, a risk that we would not want to take. And then as well, like after all, for our game, making skins and the maps is not that easy, easy and simple thing to do. So yeah, have we thought about it? Yeah, are we gonna make it? Unlikely. <laughs> makes sense. It, it totally makes sense. I think it's a, a valid risk and challenging, uh, challenging to do well. Um, so something that I was thinking on a little bit earlier is you were talking about how you kind of have those uh, groups of kind of like your VIP type players and stuff that you kind of bounce ideas off of. Um, It reminds me a lot of uh, the approach that the Magic the Gathering folks actually take, where they basically get a group of like their most engaged, most knowledgeable kind of top tier players and 
they give them the next set of cards that are coming out and they just get, you know, so much feedback from those people because amazingly enough, the the players are going to be like, oh, well, this is going to change the meta this way or actually this would never work because there's this other card that's going to completely invalidate this one. And they just, you know, detail out so much stuff because in many ways, some of those players are actually more experts at the game than you guys are as the developers. But, uh, you know, is that the sort of thing that you guys do when you're meeting with your VIP players or what sort of questions or insights or how do you use them most effectively? Uh, well, we have surveys, which we are doing time to time for uh, these different player groups, which we have as well for the full audience as well. And then we are gathering the feedback through that. And then, then of course, like we, we are like in close communication with those like Contive slash pro players of our game, which are playing the or game a lot and they're practicing with their teams and how, how things work and gathering their feedback as well regarding like weapon balance, how the maps are, is, is there some like uh, some OP corners as an example and stuff, stuff like that. So like th those are the things what we are doing and but like uh, as well for like our influencer program, we have like pretty much everyone can apply and there's a certain criteria uh, like which are going to get in there. And then for the beta program, as an example, uh, we, we have like their like applications time to time when we are getting more people in. In the end, in our game, everyone can, everyone can play in beta. Everyone can join the Google Play beta or through the test flight. But then this is like just a Discord group for those beta players, which are all the time always going to try the new beta build. Uh, and gonna play there and then share their feedback and they have been picked there based on that. So you mentioned surveys. Um, I've heard a lot of variety of different feedback about surveys in general. And, and I think you also said you give them to distinct player groups. So are you able to do like a, a segmented survey experience where like I only give a survey to players that bought this offer or engaged in this live ops event kind of a thing? Yeah, we, we can like uh, pretty much we have these different Discord groups and we give one for the each, like we have the own surveys for each and then, mm. then they have their own. And then of course, through the data, we can also do that, that we are, we are going to give it a certain group, which has as an example, both something or they have just played a match of something like some exit game mode and then ask their like, how, how are the things or did they like it? And we, we can do that, yes. So you can ultimately kind of tie their answers to what they've done, more or less? Yeah, that's that's possible to be done. Indeed. That's really cool. What kind of questions do you ask in surveys? Like, what, what do those look like? You know, for uh, I, I imagine there's a lot of listeners that are like, well, surveys sound valuable, but, you know, how do I actually write them so that I can get some sort of useful information out of them? And I think it's also easy to word the questions the wrong way where you kind of lead people to answering in a certain uh, a certain way. <laughs> How do you get unbiased data and actually useful, actionable data out of surveys as opposed to, you know, just using my data analytics tool and inferring based on what the players are actually doing? Yeah, well, it, it really depends. Like, unfortunately, I don't here have at the moment something that we have sent for as an example for larger player, like as an example for a whole audience. Of course, then there you should have a language selection. So everything is localized, the questions. So then you will get like the most out of it. Because as an example, if you are going to send English 
language survey for Turkish player, uh, like then most likely you're not going to get that many action, actionable answers. So, and then like much as possible one to five, like how much you like it, do you strongly agree, disagree, and then you can use that data best. But like lately we have been doing a, like uh, this type of questionnaire regarding one feature that w- should it have this type of thing. And then the players like with this segmented users can choose that like, uh, do do they want it or not and then then we can Mm -hmm. uh, have later conversation with our product team about it do you find that you get better information when the questions are open-ended versus when they're you know abcd or true false kind of a thing uh well it's easier to measure true false or like that strongly agree strongly disagree type of things but then of course if there's like uh, some question that you can think that there can be multiple things that it can you know involve and it's of course good to have it open-ended but of course then if the player amount who you are sending the message to is like we're we're talking about thousands or even hundreds then it's going to be pretty rough to go through all of them one by one like the feedback if it's open-ended question that they can just give their comment about it Mm. yeah i always kind of struggle that with that myself where it's like Oh, it's so much cleaner to just have the the data oriented there. But sometimes you get so many more useful insights when it's a, an open end, but it takes so much longer to actually uh, shift through the, the answers to actually discover the gems of knowledge. Do you guys do much, uh, switching gears a little bit here, um, on social media? Like, I, I know you've got your Discord, but like, have you guys done anything with like Twitter or Facebook or Instagram? Yeah, uh, pretty much we, we have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts for our product. And uh, yeah, pretty much every single time we get something out or we have something we're going to post there. I think Twitter, we have over 100,000 followers at the moment and growing. So and then on Facebook, I think we have 500,000 or somewhere nearby that. But yeah, very much uh, like normal social media management. And then, of course, we are doing our best to uh, as well to reply the players who are asking questions there and then engage with our players. That, that's that's like the main thing. Myself, I'm doing also the social media management. So it's, it's still at the moment, the time for doing all of those things is slightly limited, but I hope that changes in the future. Yeah. Do you find that having the social media actually lends towards a better player experience and and boosts your, you know, long-term retention, engagement, things like that? Yeah, well, these days, well, websites are like having a game website. It's, it's I, I think it's slightly dying because like first thing, if, if I have a problem, I, I'd maybe go Google like, well, I of course go first check Reddit, but like the kids these days, they go ask directly in a Facebook group or such that hey i have this problem with this game help me and then there's going to be people who who are going to help this guy so it it works like that these days so having a strong social media i think it's just beneficial for the brand and then as as well for the player experience do you guys have a reddit too yeah we we have our own subreddit where players can post their funny memes and about the (laughs) game and then ask questions and open conversation about things that they like or they don't like and stuff like that that's super useful Okay, so I'm putting you on the spot here. You know, if I had to, okay, so you, you got Discord, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If I'm a small team and I had to pick one or I could only have two, where would you start? And like, you know, 
what's the the most important uh, place to you know being setting up uh, your kind of engagement with your users and stuff like that? Yeah, well, I I think at the moment I maybe go for Twitter first, and then after that make a Discord where well there can the players of your game can then have a conversation there and so on because I don't think at the moment with like Discord like how you can discover servers is that that easy as it is like discovering new games or such in Twitter or Facebook as an example. So it's better to have one of like, well, have a Twitter or Facebook page and such, and then market your Discord there. So then you're going to get people to your Discord. So why would you say Twitter first? Well, I, I personally like Twitter more than Facebook. And well, at least what I've seen for the games companies that they're also like, of course, mainly on US that they're using Twitter more than Facebook. So, and well, Twitter has better dark mode, so I give them that. <laughs> I'll give it to you. I like it. I think the last thing that I wanted to cover was uh, just about um, campaigns. So, you know, when we're talking about uh, a campaign starting from from scratch and, and what that ultimately looks like um, to kind of after it's done and any feedback that goes back to the product team, like for newer folks, like, when I say campaign, like, what is that? Like, what, what do you consider a campaign to be? Well, campaign for myself means that, well, of course, marketing campaign, that mm-hmm. we, we're going to have some event or such, and we want to make campaign for that, or we have something coming up and we want to prepare a campaign for it. It might include a video made by one of our video editors, or then, of course, a normal social media art and marketing art and announcement posts, scheduled everything and stuff stuff mm-hmm. like that, and then possibly tie, tie it up with UA as well. Then, of course, on the UA side, campaigns are totally different thing, which I don't know that much because, well, that's not something that I handle. And so those campaigns, are they primarily stuff that goes out like through the social media stuff or does that also, you know, involve product oriented things of like in-game messages, mailbox stuff, push notifications? That that includes live ops in game as well, such as like, of course, when we're getting a new event in the game, it's going to show up like greatly in the game that the yep. background changes, uh, there's new things. And then of course, there's an inbox message, then... As an example, for our latest event, we had a pretty cool trailer. We got that and then some press releases as well for news outlets. So mm. those those things as well. But in-game, it shows up the most after all That's for the cool. players itself. So, you know, when you're kind of building out the campaign, you know, all of that kind of wraps together and probably should be timed and, and planned accordingly. Can your tool support all those different elements, including like the live ops actual implementation of the uh, config coupled with, you know, the messages and the notifications and um, the posts to Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff? Or is it a little bit manual kind of there too? Well, everything can be scheduled. That's like the main thing. So that uh, like we, we schedule the product side stuff and then then we're gonna have then social media and YouTube and such then separately. That makes sense. Have you ever seen that go awry? Yeah, a few times that they're like, well, usually it has been that something has gone wrong in the latest build and then when we enable the event, the game should crashes. Mm. But those we have been able to figure out super fast with our great development team. But like then, of course, usually it has been that like we, we always schedule like our social media stuff and 
that those things like maybe 10 or 20 minutes uh, after the things go live in the game so then we have time to react if something goes wrong or something won't happen so well i only have one more question for you uh which is the unofficial question because we are on the mastering retention podcast but uh what's one uh tip trick or a lesson that you've learned over the years to help uh, increase player engagement um, and ultimately retention? Well, offer them rewards, have them a reason to play the game and that like they have some goal what to go for. As an example, for, for us, goals are that you, you have rewards if you're high uh, on a high rank and you win games and then you're going to get free in-game stuff and mm. well, rewards for your achievements and that's the if, if you can keep them engaged enough, provide them like all the time, new stuff, what to compete for, at least on our game, because our, our game is competitive. So if you give them stuff to compete for, they're, if your game is competitive enough and your player base is correct, then, then the user engagement will be high. That's awesome. I love it. Well, Mikhail, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. If folks have any questions for you or want to get in contact with you, is there a good way for them to do that? Uh, I, I think best way is through my LinkedIn. All right. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, same to you. Thank you.